Hey everyone, welcome back. Before we begin, I want to give a trigger warning for story 5 for sexual assault and story 6 for murder. Those last two stories are really dark. I'll also have timestamps in the pinned comment and I'll have these stories labeled if you want to avoid them. All that being said, if you have your own story, be sure to send it at southerncannibal.com. I'd love to share your story here on the channel. All that being said, let's begin. But remember, to always stay hungry. Back in the September long weekend of 2011, me and my nephew took my two children along with three of their friends to our cabin at a nearby lake for the weekend. Our family has owned the cabin since they moved to Canada in the 1950s. It's located in a very rural area of Alberta. Earlier on the day in question, all five kids had been out of the woods enjoying a game of tag. Well, not long after they started playing, one of the kids came running to tell me that there was a man wearing a gray shirt crouched in the bushes and he was watching them play. As you can imagine, I was pretty concerned at this point and I quickly went to check it out as calmly as possible. At this point, the rest of the kids also said that they had seen a man watching them. I went looking around for the man, but he was gone, and the dense bushes made it even more difficult to find him. At this point, I thought getting away from the cabin for a while might take everyone's mind off of the strange events. So we all packed up the car, and we went to the beach. When we got to the beach, though, there were police cars and emergency personnel all crowded at the beach and throughout the small town. We later found out that apparently two people had actually drowned in the lake that day. And in the end, going to the beach wasn't the distraction we had hoped for. Upon returning to the cabin at around 7pm, we ate food, the kids played, and we all set up beds in one room for peace of mind after the really strange events. Once the kids were in the room for the night, I went downstairs to the living room, which has a really large deck coming off of it, facing towards the woods. There's a sliding patio door leading onto the deck. My nephew and I were just chatting, when we then heard a tapping noise coming from the back deck. At first, we didn't really think anything of it, but the noise just got louder and way more aggressive, as if it were coming closer. My nephew, who was in his early 20s at the time, came with me. I don't think I mentioned this, but I was a woman in my early 30s at the time, and we went to go check out where the noise was coming from. At that point, we saw a man wearing a gray shirt, tapping an axe on the deck. I recognized the man as an ex who we have a restraining order against, and as soon as he saw my nephew, he took off. I immediately called the RCMP, which is the police, and within about 10 minutes, three units then showed up with their guns drawn. Thankfully, all the children were sleeping undisturbed in the bedroom upstairs. The police searched for a while, but they didn't find him, as it was really dark and there was a lot of thick brush surrounding our property. Needless to say, I ended up sleeping in the bedroom with all five kids that night. The next morning, we all packed up and left, not wanting a repeat of the previous night's events. Upon returning to the cabin a week or so later, the word dead was carved into one of the windows that was facing the woods. For a little info, 
I'm from Serbia, and so English isn't my native language. I'm a female, and I was 14 years old when this happened. I'm now 18. Anyways, it was a summer break, and at the time, I didn't have many friends. I only had one best friend, but she was with her boyfriend the whole summer break. So I was bored, and I decided to go to the so-called beach in my city. In my city, we have a beach which opens up when it's summer break. I was planning on going there with my best friend, but as I said, she was with her boyfriend. I, as a minor, was going alone, without my parents or anyone there. I really liked being alone. I was used to it and I really enjoyed it. At the time, I had really watched a lot of horror stories, and I kind of knew what to do whenever someone creepy might approach me or something. As I arrived, I was really enjoying my time alone at the beach, and I noticed this guy staring at me this whole time. I didn't really think too much of it, but I decided to keep an eye on him, just in case. Every time I entered the water, he would too. I was getting a little scared because the guy looked like he was in his 40s. As I go in the water once again, he followed me. He then approached me and he had started asking me questions like, Hey, do you have an Instagram? I replied back with, Sorry, no, I don't have an Instagram. Of course, I lied. I had all the social media at the time. And then he asks if I have a Facebook. I then said the same thing and he replied back with, Damn, that's a shame. You look really sexy. I'd really like to do something to you. I was so grossed out at this point. I mean, I was 14 years old, and this guy was clearly in his 40s. I said that I wasn't interested, and that I had a boyfriend, which I didn't. I wasn't really interested in relationships at that age. And he then said something so creepy, and I really wasn't ready for it. It's a damn shame he's not here. I'd have to teach him a lesson and make you my girlfriend. I was so disgusted. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I was in such a loss of words and walked out of the water. And this whole time, he was just staring at my body. I felt so uncomfortable and violated. I packed up all my things and got dressed. And as I did so, he did too. I wasn't really so much scared as I was pissed. Because I was clearly a minor. I mean, I didn't even look like I was in my 20s. While he was packing, I walked away and I then went somewhere where he couldn't see me. I then ran to my bus station and headed home. I was used to older men harassing me through social media as a kid, and it was really gross. As an adult now, I always pay attention to my surroundings. The world is really full of creeps and pedophiles who will groom children, so please stay safe. Always say no to creeps. And if they harass you online, just block them. This world can really be dangerous. This happened to me at barely 20 years old. I had just gotten off second shift at my job. A couple of friends who also worked with me asked if I wanted to hang out at the beach. I was planning on going home and ordering a pizza and maybe watching some TV. But it was a Friday night in July, and going to the beach sounded like a good idea. I'm a female, but two of my friends were male. We had worked and hung out together for around three years, so I trusted them completely, and I didn't have any worries about going to the beach with them that late at night. 
we chose a beach slash park that was in a safe area of where I grew up. As I turned into the beach access road off to the main road, I thought that I'd seen someone walking in the picnic area. I mentioned it to my friends, but they said they didn't see anyone, so I just chalked it up to a shadow from the full moon. I parked and we then got out and started walking to the sand. The night was warm and breezy. I remember we were laughing at something one of us said, and we were all just really carefree. That is, until we saw him. For context, the beach access road sloped down, curving to the right. The road could be accessed from the back of the picnic area by going through a sloped area of the trees. Now, there was a cemented path that led down the beach, but that was farther away from the picnic area. So, this guy chose to keep his balance while fighting his way through sloped trees to get to the road, and I guess to us. And he was fast. The moonlight briefly outlined his physique. He was huge. We immediately whipped around and started running back to my car. And just like a scene in a scary movie, I fell. I didn't care though if I hurt myself or not. So I got right back up and kept on pace. My car was a piece of crap and the doors didn't lock. This was a good thing that night. We jumped into the car and I started fumbling in my front pocket to try and find my keys. I got my car started and I put it in drive. I just barely got my foot on the gas pedal before the guy caught up close enough to punch my trunk. I drove right the fuck out of there like a bat out of hell. We drove to a populated area a few miles away before any of us said a word. I had skinned up my knee pretty damn good as I ripped a hole in my jeans when I fell. I also had road rash all over my hands. I frequented that beach until I moved to another state a couple of years later, but I never went back there at night again. I was on vacation with some of my work friends when I was in my 20s. We went to Miami. The motel we chose was just a cheap one on the beach, and it was right next to a hotel that was having some major work done on it. Well, I decided one night while everyone else was drinking that I just wanted to be alone on the beach. It was around 11pm, and so I went down and I sat on a small wall that was at the back of the hotel being worked on. I was enjoying the nice night, which was really warm, until I felt a cold chill go up my neck, like when you know you aren't alone anymore, like a shift in the atmosphere. I turned around and I saw a Mexican man on the other side of the fence of the hotel that was being worked on. He was staring at me, and I knew immediately I better get out of there. So I stood up and I started walking towards my motel. He immediately scaled the chain link fence within two seconds and started running at me. At this point, I started to run down the beach, which as you know, it's really hard to run on sand. I made it to the steps of my motel and kept running, but I felt like I was underwater somehow, like I just wasn't fast enough. He was so close to me by now. I picked up speed and ran around the side of the motel and then flew into the lobby just as he got to me. He didn't follow me inside for some reason, thank goodness. He just gave me a horrible look and then took off. I was terrified and I was so shocked that I actually got away from him. I was shaking so badly and I just went back to my room after that. I don't know why I didn't tell the staff, but I didn't. I just sat in my room and cried 
and then I went to find my friends in the other motel room. I didn't tell them what happened either, but I never walked alone on a beach at night ever again. I want to start off by saying that I'm not a female. I'm a 5'7 skinny male in my early 20s. I live on my own in an apartment complex that's in a city in California. This story is really traumatizing to me, so be advised if you don't want to hear about sexual assault. My apartment complex is fairly secure, with the entrances having gates and a security guard patrolling too. This made me let my guard down a lot. Now, the apartments are situated in a way where you have neighbors across from you and adjacent to you. It was the summer during COVID, and my neighbor who lived next to me, who was a sweet old lady, was moving out. I didn't think much of it, and I was spending my summer sipping on margaritas and really enjoying my time off from work, and just stuck inside. Since this was California, during COVID, everyone was pretty nuts about the precautions and stuff. It didn't bother me. And like I said, I was just chilling at home for the most part. One night, I was jolted awake when I then heard a lot of noise and shuffling in the apartment right next to me. I was a little surprised since I hadn't seen anyone moving in yet, but I just brushed it off, thinking it could have been rats. The next day, I went out to look, and to my shock, I had new neighbors. There was a fairly tall-built man smoking outside the front door of the apartment. He grinned at me, saying hi, and then approached me to shake my hand. Again, this was all during COVID and in Cali, so immediately this was a bit of a red flag. But me being the nice and careless guy, I shook his hand, and I even offered him a drink. He declined, and he told me that his name was Jordan. He also told me he was gay, and that his husband would be coming tonight, and that if I were okay with it, they'd love to have me for dinner at their place. Now, I'm not a homophobe, but again, this was all during COVID, and that should have been a red flag for me, but me dying for some social interaction during that time, I said yes. So fast forward to around 5pm, Jordan comes knocking on my door, and he says he's almost done cooking. Now, this was a little weird, I used to be able to hear the previous neighbor whenever she would cook. I knew this because sometimes she would draw me off some cookies or pasta, but I hadn't even heard a peep from Jordan. I brushed this off, thinking maybe he was going to order takeout instead. In my mind, it made sense. They just moved in, so maybe he didn't want to cook. I entered the apartment, and almost immediately, alarm bells started ringing in my head. The apartment was empty. Not even a single box or item had been moved in. I asked Jordan where all his stuff was, or if maybe he was getting it all shipped from where he was previously living. He kind of gave me this sinister laugh, and then said, Oh no, we're minimalists. Come sit on the floor. As I was about to have a seat on the floor, Jordan stops me, and he tells me to go in the bathroom down the hall to get his boyfriend. So I get up, and I start walking down the hall. I was honestly getting pretty hesitant and uncomfortable with the whole situation. I opened the door to the bedroom to find just some bed sheets in a box on the floor. That's when things took a turn for the worse. Suddenly I get pushed into the room and Jordan slams the door shut. I tell him, hey man, what the fuck are you doing? And where's your boyfriend? 
I didn't even notice the knife and duct tape that he had in his hands. He laughs at me again and then says, <laughs> Well, I'm looking right at him. It's you. I think you guys know where this is headed. He brandished the knife and he told me to shut the fuck up or he'll cut off my dick. He then proceeded to duct tape my hands and mouth. Inside of this box were things unimaginable and way too disturbing to talk about on YouTube. I was beaten, raped, gagged, cut, and tortured repeatedly for the whole night. At some point in the night, I was knocked out cold, and I woke up the next morning on my apartment doorsteps, all bruised and naked. I've never felt so vulnerable and sad in my life. I didn't even know where my keys or phone were, and I had to cover up my junk with a rag that I had on my front window sill. I went to the leasing office sobbing and still naked. They immediately called the cops and gave me some towels and water, and they walked me back to my apartment. They then informed me that I actually had no new neighbors. This fucking rapist psycho was squatting in there illegally. The police entered, but he was long gone. I gave them a description to the best of my ability. I was traumatized and worn out from all the assault, and I honestly just wanted to take a shower and sleep. I didn't even care what the cops did. They found my phone and keys in the bathroom tub, submerged in chemicals. The police told me the guy left the place sparkling clean. There was bleach and chemical bottles found in the kitchen, so I guess he knew what he was doing. Later on, I did call them, but they informed me there were no leads and some other stuff I can't even recall. Ever since this happened, I've never been the same. I really hope that sick man got caught at some point and spends the rest of his life in prison. He's ruined my life and left me with unimaginable trauma. I can't even go outside my front door anymore, or let alone interact with anyone. I simply want to be left alone and have serious trust issues now. To Jordan, which I really doubt is his real name, I hope you rot in hell. As for me, I'll be okay. I just need some time to process it all and regain my trust in society. I want to tell everyone out there, even if you're a guy, don't ever let your guard down. Don't ever go into someone's house without getting to know them well enough, and always have at least some type of weapon. I now own a firearm. Stay safe out there. I was once a suspect in a murder. Not everyone can say that. It was the summer of 1974, and I was living and working in Connecticut. It was back in August and I had been hired to a second shift job at Union Turbular Products in Torrington, Connecticut, a company that was a division of the Brunswick Corp, and made golf shafts. I thought it was pretty cool, even though the rest of the shaft was finished elsewhere. I worked in a three-person team on a machine, where you first fed the shafts into a furnace, and then dipped the irons or woods into a hot salt solution that was part of the hardening and tempering process. One member of my group was Ray Ludden, 19 years old, a short but strong and sturdy boy who lived around the area. I got along with him well enough, but he was a bit of a target of some pretty nasty bullying by others during our nightly breaks. I was sensitive to that, and I didn't like it. I tried to sit with him during those breaks, hoping it would ease some of the taunts. The other guys liked me, but the results of my efforts were minimal. Sometimes it would get over the top, 
and I could sense Ray beginning to tense up. I'd say to him, Come on, Ray, let's go back to the shop. I could hear the others bellowing as we left. They would yell, Hey, Ray, what year was the War of 1812 fought? Okay, sure, Ray was no Ivy Leaguer, but it was really cruel stuff. There was also a chemical tester who worked the shift, a young woman, age 24, to protect the innocent, I'll call her Isabel. I remember that she wasn't more than about five feet and didn't break a hundred pounds. She was new to the company. Her job was to periodically check the temperature in the furnace and the strength of the steel. I didn't know her well, but she seemed like a nice kid. She must have lived nearby because I'd often see her walking to work whenever I was en route to the job. I never thought to pull over and offer her a lift. She was usually very close to the factory whenever I saw her, but Ray pulled over one day in September, and she got in. Isabel never got out, at least not on her own. Ray then drove her to a secluded spot on the outskirts of town right at the campus of the University of Connecticut, Torrington Branch. He strangled her to death. I was 21 years old at the time, and I'd moved out of my Bristol apartment at the end of August. I didn't have a new place when September began, and I basically bounced from Torrington to the old family house back and forth in the same town when I attended college. I lived out and slept out of my rather spacious station wagon. For all intent and purposes, I was transient. I had no real address. About the second week of September, the same week when Ray murdered Isabel, I came down with a bad case of strep throat. I notified Union Tubular that I'd be out for the week. Meanwhile, the investigation into Isabel's disappearance was heating up. I was actually unaware of it until I saw a small story on one of the back pages of the paper. When the body was found, the state police search for a suspect intensified and began with a list of all of Isabel's co-workers. They got to my name and they found that I was unreachable. No address, no phone number and a co-worker of both the victim and advocate. Saria Foray, who at some point had emerged as a primary suspect. The law eventually tracked me down. My mother took the call from the state police that week and verified that I'd been out sick the entire time. I never did have to answer any questions. For the murder of Isabel, Ray was given 17 years to life. He was paroled not quite 15 years into his term. A woman by the name of Mary Brent had been paired with Ray as a part of something called the Volunteer Sponsor Program, which linked people like Ray with folks from the outside world. Well, when Ray was paroled, she had given him permission to visit her at her apartment. He did, and in the blush of a cocaine weekend, he strangled her to death with a telephone cord. She was 64. Ray then 36 this time was given a 60-year-to-life sentence with an outside shot at parole again. But don't hold your breath. I think of Ray every now and then, especially in September. He's now 67, and he's still serving time in a Connecticut prison. I think about those guys in the break room who in pack style thought it was okay to poke the bear. I think about whether that might have pushed him over the edge but his own mental state probably made him predisposed to commit such crimes. Or so I tell myself. But still, I think about the fact that perhaps for a few hours, I might have been a real suspect. 
that bothers me a bit. I think about Ray's life and his heinous acts, and I think about how I treated him well. That bothers me more. Not so much my relationship with him, but the crimes themselves. Well, Isabel, you might ask? She'd be about 71 years of age now. Maybe a mother, and even a grandmother at this point. I think about the life she never had. That bothers me the most. It sucks.